0: Part of my, the pre-marriage counseling I do, there's a segment there where we take a look at, um, at, at what biblical love looks like. And, uh, and we look at, at several passages of scripture uh, uh, contrasting what God's word, how God's word would define love uh, with what we're used to today, with what we are, are bombarded with every day from a worldly uh, perspective of what love looks like. Uh, the world is is geared toward the advertisement media and everything else is geared toward. Uh, I think uh, satisfying us, and uh, so it's about what what I want or what I desire or what I need, and so it's really not surprising then that the world's perspective of what love is is all about getting. But as we look in scriptures. We see a rather a a contrast, because as we look at scriptures, scriptures, a scriptural definition of love is all about giving. So, getting or giving, when you think about love, what's your perspective? And of course, at this time of year, as we as we are in the in the Christmas season, thinking about Christmas, uh, getting or giving, what's your perspective? Uh, and I, and, uh, I want to talk about that. I know what God's perspective is on this. And uh, last week I was reminded at the end of the service, Keith Hawkins, was, Keith and Deborah were here. And Keith came up after service. And he said, Pastor, he says, once you know, I've been taking notes on the service this morning. And he said, I've got down Reese's peanut butter cups and Oreos and Mounds bars. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, that, Keith, that pretty much covers it. There was a lot of, There was a lot of food thrown out here this morning. That when we got to uh, when we were talking about the mounds bars was Second Corinthians chapter nine verse fifteen is it talks about God's indescribable gift or unexplainable gift and so we were talking about mounds bars being indescribably delicious you probably are there now at the second chapter of uh, or at Second Corinthians chapter nine verse fifteen and this is our text this morning. I know you run a risk of a lengthy text of reading that in unison, but uh, I looked at this verse this morning, and I thought, you know, we can do this. We, we can do this. So if you'll, if you'll look with me on the screen that uh, Craig has for us and read with me, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, one more time, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, I know that uh, those of you that, that still have short-term memory, you know, some of us, our long-term memory is good. I just can't remember what happened yesterday. I mean, uh, <laughs> Barbie, where I, I were in the house the other day doing something, and she came into a room, and she said, Honey, wh- what did I come in here to get? And um, I said, um, I have no idea, but it ha- it's happening to me a lot lately too and she said well we're spending a lot more time thinking about the hereafter and I thought she was trying to tell me something and I said what are you talking about she said well I want to know what I came in here after (laughs) so uh, if if you are you know if you are are blessed with still with short-term memory I think we can probably close our eyes and say this verse you want to risk that let's try it thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift one more time Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. See, you've memorized a verse. And it's a powerful verse. Now, as I look at this, there are three other times in the New Testament that I can think of, that I can find, where this word unspeakable is used. Now, in each of these these times... There's a different Greek word, but it's translated into English, unspeakable. And they're not, they're not very far apart. So I think, I think they do justice with that. The first time is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about an experience that he had. And uh, some people say that, that, that maybe Paul was saying he didn't, he don't know if he was in a trance when, he, when this happened, others seem to think that this may have happened when Paul was, one of the times when Paul was uh, a persecuted, when he may have been stoned and left for dead. Uh, this, this could have possibly been an experience that happened in. We're not told that. We're left, Paul leaves us with this, that this is what happened to me. I don't know when it happened exactly, but I can tell you what happened. So let's, let's look at this. Paul says, it's not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I'll come to visions, revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such a one was called up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man. Paul saying, you know, he's saying, okay, it's me. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. See, so he, he, he's saying, I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know. If, but he knows what happened. He don't know when it happened. You don't know if he was alive, or if he was a dead, or if this was in a, a trance, but he knows what happened. What happened? He said, how that he was caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities." Now, Paul is sharing an experience of where he had, had been in heaven. And where he had heard words. He had heard voices. He had heard talking. And the talking that was going on, he said it's not even lawful for, for human beings to talk about. In other words, Paul, uh, Paul says, I, I can't. He says, unspeakable. I can't, I can't tell you. It was so awesome. It was so glorious. All I can tell you is that I heard this going on, and, and it has changed everything. Now, another time we hear this word unspeakable, is Peter writing. And Peter's writing in the, in the first letter, 1 Peter chapter one, and he's writing this. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, non-defiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? Glory. We're in glory. Heaven. That's what we talk about. To an inheritance. Incorruptible. Preserved. That faith is another way. He says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold. He says, now you may be struggling. Now you may be going through persecution. Now you're going through a lot of stuff. That the trial of your faith been much more precious than that of gold that perishes, Though it be tried with fire, that your faith may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believe in you rejoice. Now look at this you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. Even the salvation of your souls. Peter's writing, and Peter's writing to a, a group of Christians that are going through some tough times. Writing to a group of Christians that are being persecuted, and and not knowing what the next day is going to bring. And Paul reminds them, or Peter reminds them, that there is reserved for those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. A, uh, a, an inheritance and in glory that heaven awaits. No matter what happens down here, no matter what we're facing today, there's heaven waiting us. And he says, when he thinks about heaven, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can't explain it, but man, when he gets to thinking about it, it gets, it gets gooder and gooder and better and better, just like my wife's cooking. So the other time that this word is used is in our text that, we, that we're looking at this morning. When he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, the context of this verse in Second Corinthians is that Paul has been talking about, he's been thinking of the, of the generosity of the, uh, of the Corinthian Christians and of the Macedonians, the Christians from Macedonia. How in their, in their need, in their, they didn't have much. But out of what little they had, they were so generous. They were so giving. I'm reminded of uh, in nineteen ninety three, when it was privileged to, to visit uh, our sister church in Russia, and uh, and it was it was March. It was cold. It was uh, it was it was gray. That's what I remember about Moscow at that time. It was it was gray. It was uh, depressing on the outside. Now the country had just opened up. Uh, but we met, I met with, in our, with a sister church and they were meeting in a, in a hall that had been used. It was a communist hall. It, it was used for the communist meetings that were mandatory people intended. Uh, there were posters on the board all around. I didn't understand the writing in, in Russian, but I understood the pictures and on the wall on the posters, there were pictures of, of, of airplanes with the United States in, uh, with with American flag on them. And they were dropping bombs all over the Russian people, all over Moscow. And, uh, and I remember going and, and having lunch with with a pastor and his wife. At that time, it was it was uh, Andrew and Raya, and uh, in a little apartment flat. And the, the one that was interpreting with us, Andrew Simonchuk, as as they they prepared uh, the they, they prepared the meal for us, and uh, and he got us aside and he said, "You just need to know," he said, "They're they're, they're giving their best." He said. The meal they're preparing for y'all would probably cost them a month's salary just for the ingredients. And they, I think they had eggs. Eggs were hard to come by. And they had a, they had a little bit of, of some kind of meat with a lot of fat on it. And they, they had, they had the, the fat gels, makes gelatin kind of thing. And they had, they had prepared that so it was in the gelatin. It was a delicacy. But what, what was overwhelming to me was that they, they sacrificially wanted to provide this. And I was thinking about would I spend, Would we spend here in this? Would we spend a month's salary? I know. Would we spend a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars for a meal to honor a couple of people that come from another country? Wow, it's overwhelming. And as Paul was thinking about the, the Macedonian Christians and the Corinthians and thinking about their, their their generosity and their and and their heart, their heart to give. And as Paul thought about that, all of a sudden he's thinking about He said, and thinking about the generosity of you guys reminds me of the generosity of God. And he said, when I think about God, then he comes out with this verse. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Wow. I mean, mean, he's trying to explain the Macedonians' giving and and the Corinthian giving. But when he thinks about that which God gave... Paul is just—he's left speechless. Uh, I, I ran across this week. Some of you remember the name Dr. W. A. Chriswell. Dr. W. A. Chriswell was pastor of First Baptist—I won't say Dallas—for years and years. Great, eloquent man. And uh, and I ran across uh, this in a sermon that he had preached on November uh, in November of 1956. Now I wasn't there when he preached it. Okay. But I did run across these words. And I was just, because he was, he was quite, a, he's quite a, a, a preacher and uh, order. And when he gets to this, when he got to this verse, talking about this verse in Corinthians, Dr. Criswell said this. He said, the- theology falters here. Poetry falters here. The songs of Zion are not able to adequately to encompass it here. The full meaning of God's gift in Christ is inexpressible. It's incomprehensible. It's unfathomable. I love these adjectives. It's illimitable. It's infinitely, marvelously God's own doing. And he's not through. He goes on. He said this gift is inexpressible. It's not to be described the preciousness of it. There are things you cannot put in language and you can't say them in words. And that is God's gift to us. God's gift of himself. The inexpressible unspeakable gift of Christ Jesus he became poor that we might be rich he suffered unutterable shame that we might have indescribable glory he sorrowed that we might rejoice he was bound that we might be free he died that we might live thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift (laughs) wow wow and that gift this morning is what I want to talk about. That gift is to be received, it's to be valued, and it's to be shared. It's to be received, is to be valued, and it's to be shared. And there's no question. There's no question. Scripture makes it very clear that what Paul is speaking of here in verse 15 is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, one of the, one of the verses that I was reading a while back that got me going to this verse and thinking about the message this morning was in John chapter 4, verse 10. And in John chapter 4, verse 10, you've got this, this story. You're familiar with it. it. It's a story of where Jesus is, is going back up now to Jerusalem and he chooses to go through Samaria And uh, that was a little bit out of the way because there was a lot of racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews despised the Samaritans. They looked down on them as less than human beings. They called them dogs. And therefore, there wasn't a lot of love from the Samaritans toward the Jews. But Jesus intentionally took his disciples through Samaria and stopped in a town called Sychar. And there at the well, he set to, to, and he sent the, the the men into town to pick up something for lunch. And while he was there, this lady came to the well. You remember the story? The lady came to the well, and Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And she gets, she gets, she just can't believe it. She can't. First of all, she can't believe that a Jewish man would even speak to a Samaritan woman. And then that he would ask her for something. And so she is is just incredulous that he would do this. And she she tells him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me of anything? And Jesus responds with this in verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that said to you, give me the drink, you would have asked of him. And he would have given of you living water. Jesus said, If you knew who I was. And then he proceeds. He proceeds to explain to her and to show her who he was. Matter of fact, when it talks about her personal life and Jesus reveals things to her, yeah, 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 her past. And to the point that as she, as, as she talks and she gets, she gets overwhelmed that this is the Messiah, this is the promised one. So the story tells us that she gets so excited, she leaves her water pot, she didn't even draw water, she leaves her water pot and she runs into town and her message is, hey, come and tell me a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Now that got the attention of all in town, especially the men. And so they come running out to the well and here is Jesus, God's gift and they receive him. And they receive his gift of living water. And, and Jesus ministers to them. And he finds a receptive ear and, a, and an obedient heart in the people there in Sychar. Jesus will always go out of his way for those who are hungry and thirsting after righteousness to fill them. If that's what you've been longing for and you may not know it, just want you to know this morning, Jesus will go out of his way. Because he wants you to know, the gift of God. Jesus said, "He was God's gift, and as a gift, it can't be earned. It must be received. Can be refused, but it must be received." Now I'm reminded that uh, about that I, I. seen this story illustration i started to do that this morning but i i ran out of money I, we had a birthday a young young kid and i had i had a, a, a dollar left and so when i found out it was his birthday first service i gave him the last dollar i had i was going to do a, a gift but then i i got accused there was a person in the back and they saw me giving a kid a dollar and they thought i was paying people to sit up front so uh yeah it's hard to win with this with this with this group of people here but uh some of you have seen this illustration. I, I was sitting in a, in a, I think it was a high school uh, assembly one time years ago when you could do stuff like this. And, and somebody had a, I think it was a $10 bill, may have been a $20 bill. It was, it was a big chunk of money for me. And, uh, and, and they, they took the, this bill and they asked who, you know, who would like to have this bill. Well, some hands went up and he took the bill and he folded it and he threw it on the floor and he stomped on it and then he picked it up all crumpled. He said, well, who would like this? Who would like this? Well, more hands went up, and he finally just said, well, you know, who wants this? And finally, somebody just came up and got it, and he turned it loose, and they stuck the, the, the I don't blame them, get it out of sight. They stuck it in their pocket and walked back and sat down, and I'm thinking, why didn't I do that? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you why I didn't do that. I thought there was a catch, right? There's a trick to this. There's some trick. He's going to get you up there, and then he's going to make you blindfold you and cut a banana off your neck with a sword or something, you know? <laughs> It was Mike Crane that did that. You remember that? Gary, yeah, in the gym. That's somebody from this church stuck a neck out. he cut a banana blindfolded. Who was that? Herbie? Herbie. God love him. No wonder he's had a heart problems. I, yeah, I <laughs> may have started then. But, but I am keep thinking, there's a catch to this. Today, so often we talk about giving things. And, and, you know, now I, I want to tell you, that, and we say there's a string attached. And I want to tell you, if you get, if you get money from the federal government, there's usually a string attached, okay, with that. But, but when we talk about God's gift, his free gift of eternal life, and a lot of people are looking back and saying, yeah, that looks good. I'd like to get that. I'm going to watch and see. There's got to be a string attached. You know, God will get you, God'll get you to, to give him your heart, and, and you get eternal life. Then he'll call you to join OM, you know, Or he'll send you to to Tanzania, one country. Or he'll put you in a third world country. Got to be a string attached. And we're so leery. God's gift can be received. Have you received it this morning? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you said, God, this gift that's unspeakable is for me. But gift, this gift also, I want you to know this morning that God's gift, I believe, is to be valued. Now, there's two things for me. That, that make a gift valuable. One of them is knowing who the gift is from, the giver. It's, who, it's the giver. Um, we've got, I've got a file out in, the, uh, in my office out there uh, of, of, of gifts that I wouldn't sell. Uh, and and there, there are, it's a file folder of, of papers that the kids of this church have drawn and given to me and I wouldn't take anything for him. And uh, one, uh, Sundays, one Sunday, one Sunday, uh, you know, the little girl came up after service, and uh, and she said, "I've got something for you." And it was all folded up. And she had Pastor Jerry, and God love her, she had hair on my head, two or three. She had hair there, and I and I opened it up, and uh, and she said, I, "I drew this while you preached." And I thought, "Man, you got more out of the service than most of the adults here, yeah." But there, there are these, there's this folder of of. Pictures and of poems and of stories, and I would take nothing for because of who gave them to me. That's the giver. We've got a uh, we've got a platter at the house down in the china cabinet, and it's uh, it's not pretty. It's not beautiful. Barbie has beautiful platters, but this one's not beautiful at all. It's it's a platter. Matter of fact, it's got a little chip off this, off off of it, and it's and it's burned. Um. Uh, we don't, we don't use it. It's too fragile. We don't set it out because it's not pretty. But this is a platter from Barbie's great grandfather. And, uh, and it's the, the history. It's old. It's 150 or 200 years old. We wouldn't sell it. You, money couldn't buy it. And it's not that we don't need money, it's just because of who the gift is from. It's invaluable. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you've got that. You've, you've got what, what do they call these things? Uh, heirlooms? Is it family? family stuff they've they've come down and you've passed them on and you know I mean you you might could buy 10 of them tomorrow cheaper but you couldn't buy that one for all the money in the world because of who the giver is thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift I was thinking about the gift and the giver and the value of the gift and the giver and thinking about this verse I was reminded of, uh, of DJ Brown's, Bud, her funeral. And Bud had said, uh, Pastor, she, she loved John 3.16. Uh, kind of your favorite verse. Could you, could you say something about that? And I remember, so I, I pulled notes, Bud, from, uh, from when I did DJ's funeral not long ago. And uh, I want to share that with you. Some of you, a lot of you were here. But I just thought, man... That describes it, the value of this gift. We know the verse. We, hey, you did pretty good on this. you remember? First, second Corinthians 9.15, you remember that? Th- say it with me. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Y'all are sharp. Now, let's, let's really go out on a limb this morning and try it. All right, how about John 3.16? Do you think we remember that? Let's try that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Now I was thinking about this. Quickly, let me run through it. For God, the greatest giver. For God, the greatest giver gives us freely. He gives us life. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us grace. He gives us salvation. He gives us life worth living. And he gives us life eternally. For God, so loved. The greatest motive, the greatest motive there could ever be. We talk about gifts and we talk about how leery we are because sometimes... You ever get a gift and you say, I wonder why they gave that to me, you know? what, what, what what's, what's up with this? But God's motives, God's motive for, for, for giving, for God so loved. His motive was pure. His motive is pure. He loved you. For God, the greatest giver, so loved, the greatest motive... The world, the greatest need. Now, and sometimes the world don't even even realize the need that they have. But today, the advertising world and and the the world philosophy is all about telling us what we need to make our lives successful, what we need to make our lives complete. And we think, you know, and we think we reach that, we gain that, only to have what I call a while back destination frustration. You get that. I've been watching uh, this football playoffs. High school, next week in the Dome. Doug, are you going down to that Dome, annual thing? Don't know if you're going to make it this year or not, huh? Woody? You going down? Where's Woody? I don't know. They go down. I watched, I watched Friday night. There were four in the, in the high, high class in Georgia. There were four undefeated teams. First time in many years that there were four teams at the semis. All had perfect records. Four undefeated teams. I know. And we know two of them are going to lose. They did. I watched, uh, I, I sat up last night, had to ask forgiveness for staying up so late, but I got back from the, from the wedding. And uh, so I'm sitting there and just trying to, to relax. And, and so I'm watching Iowa and Michigan State. Now I know Ron Bohr and, and Roe are praying for Michigan State here. he almost wore his green. And they're playing Iowa. And Jackie's nephew is playing corner, left corner for Iowa. And Iowa's undefeated, 12-0, and first perfect season ever. And I'm looking at that. And watching, and right at the last minute, Michigan State pulls out a 16-13 victory. And, I, and I'm watching them. I'm watching Clemson and North Carolina. I'm watching Stanford and USC and Alabama. Florida. And I'm thinking, man, you know, these teams, they all, they, they play so hard. And then half of them are going to go home disappointed. Half of them are going to be so excited, but half of them are going to go home disappointed. Mildred last, uh, last, this week, she went down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Mildred's nephew is the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach for Spain Park High School. And they were playing for the 6A state championship there in in, uh, Alabama Stadium in Tuscaloosa. And Marty's team got beat 14 to 12. I know you think, so close. But some of you have been a part of those we got, you know, we got guys out here that have won state championships in, 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 in individual events, cross-country. we got some of you that have been on, on national teams. Buddy played for Bear Bryant at the University of Alabama. Some of you have been on those teams, and you have, you have reached that. And, you know, and now those trophies are just a collecting dust on a shelf somewhere. They're good memories. They get more glorious the older we get. <laughs> I'm amazed at how good I used to be now that I'm this age, you know. Uh, just don't talk to any contemporaries about it, uh, in, about that. But, but the world tells us, you know, if you do this or if you can achieve that or if you can accomplish this, you'll have all you want. That's what you've been, that's what you're living for. God says, for God, the greatest giver, so love, the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need. Because I want to tell you, if you're here this morning, you've never received this gift of God. You can, ach- you can achieve all the championships you can accumulate all the accolades. You can amass vast amounts of money so that you'll never have a financial worry. But there'll still be something. There'll still be that one thing that your, that your soul and inside is craving for that can only, only be met with receiving this gift of God's only son. For God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act from the greatest giver. Romans 5.8 says. But God demonstrated. Or de- but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Someone saying. "You know, God I don't know you love me. How much do you love me? Prove you love me. And God said. Okay I'm going to give you my son. For God. Demonstrated his love. For me and for you. Wow. The greatest Act from the greatest giver. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, the greatest gift, unspeakable. Think about that gift, God's gift, the unspeakable gift—a baby born of a virgin, born in a stable. First, cri- first place it was laid was in a manger, wrapped in rags they used to clean the animals up with. Died on a cross and buried in a borrowed tomb. Wow, for you and me, for you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, the greatest invitation, think about that. It was not just to a chosen few, but it's to whosoever will. Whosoever will believe in him. The greatest invitation, that whosoever believes in him should not perish the greatest deliverance from bondage to freedom from death to life for whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life just think about that the greatest joy so we've got the greatest giver God the greatest motive, he loved. The greatest need, the world. The greatest act, he gave. The greatest gift, his only begotten son. The greatest invitation that whosoever will. And the greatest deliverance should have everlasting life. You know, that we would, would not be perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest joy. That's this unspeakable gift. The value of the gift and the giver. Is it precious to you this morning? Is that gift worth more than money could ever buy? Is it worth more? Is it worth everything? It's Jesus. To know the gift, to receive the gift, to value the gift, and to share the gift. God's gift needs to be received. God's gift needs to be valued, treasured. God's gift needs to be shared. Now, I think it's awesome That at this Christmas, this time of year, God has given us. And and we could talk about uh, the early church, I don't think, celebrated Christmas, okay? I mean, the wise men came and they brought gifts, or the the magi. Uh, They celebrated the resurrection. We know that. But it would be a little bit later on that the, the Christians began sharing gifts on Christmas. But I think it's a neat idea. I think it's a fantastic idea because in that... We are given an opportunity to share this gift of God in so many ways. Now, now listen. Some of you, I know some of you, a Pastor Daryl, Pastor Daryl, could strike up a conversation with a telephone pole, and, and 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 he would he would have that telephone pole interacting with him. I'm convinced. Before long, he is a he's a people he's a he's word person, and he, he remembers stuff, and he's got words. And some of you are very comfortable at, at you, you know, you meet a friend, you meet somebody, or stranger. And in a few minutes, you've got to engage them in a conversation and you're sharing with them with the Roman's road to, 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 to salvation. And you're, and you know, and you're, and you're just, you're sharing the gospel. And there's others of us that no matter how hard we try, we can't do that. And it don't mean that we don't love the Lord just as much. It's just, we, we'd just rather take a whooping than to have to do that. You know, but if, but one-on-one or if somebody asks us, yeah, we'll, we'll tell them how our lives have been changed by Jesus and you know what he's doing? Well, Christmas gives us an opportunity to share Christ in unprecedented ways. A, uh, a plate of cookies with a, with a Christmas card or just a note that says, Merry Christmas, Jesus loves you. Now who in their right mind is going to turn down a plate of cookies, uh, your homemade cookies with a note that says, Jesus loves you. It gives us all kinds of opportunities. One of the things we do in the in the in the the nursing home, every every gift is going to have a a gospel, and I love it because we do it in large print, so they can read it, so I can read it. Yeah, I I used to could read what is that eight font? Then I went to twelve font. Now fourteen font I can read, but sixteen looks good. (laughs) Yeah, and so we're we're we we sharing the gospel. It can be be as innocuous as just Merry Christmas. Someone comes and we just wish them Merry Christmas on what's going on. Be intentional this year. Be intentional in this season. We find people are receptive now that may not be receptive any other time of the year to hearing about this unspeakable gift. This gift that's indescribably awesome. Words fail. Hey, how's your how's your retention? You want to try? We hadn't got it up there. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse fifteen. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift, and that gift is His Son. Have you received Him? Do you value Him, Sherry? Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I mean, I mean that's, that sounds so. It, it sounds so lame and so weak sometimes when we when we think about this unspeakable, this this gift above all gifts, the greatest of all, from you to us, when we didn't even know we were in need. But to say thank you, it may be inadequate, but I know that you like it. When we remember who gave the gift and what this gift is, who this gift is, your Son Jesus Christ, and Father, this morning is my prayer that today that, that uh, if there's any here who have not received this gift, Father, that they won't be like I was in that, uh, in that uh, assembly program that day looking at that dollar bill, $20 bill and thinking, man, what I could do with that? How many hamburgers I could buy with that? Even when it's crumpled, I wanted it, but I was too shy to ask for it. I was too shy to go get it. Lord, there may be those here this morning that kind of are that way. They're kind of still thinking, okay, there's got to be a catch to this thing. But this morning, your Holy Spirit has spoken and they understand that you love them and that your gift is motivated by your love. And today would be the day that they would say, come into my heart, Jesus. It's a little chorus. It says, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Lord, to receive your gift, to value your gift and to share it. I pray right now, if there are those who have never received your son by an act of faith, simply right now they would say, come into my heart. If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you and I want to welcome you to God's family. If you'll say, Jesus, come into my heart, just raise your hand and say, I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart right now. Would you just raise your hand? Let me pray with you if you want to ask him and trust him. Father, commit this to you. Now, Lord, may we value and share this unspeakable gift of your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.